The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 257 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is Jobs for Americans with Disabilities. Persons with disabilities still too often face discrimination and stigmatization and sometimes even the tragic prejudice that because they have disabilities, they lack abilities of value. Abilities are respected, recognized and realized in jobs, good paying jobs and self-owned businesses. But persons with disabilities do encounter barriers in getting good-paying jobs and in creating their own businesses, especially when economic times are tough. For persons with disabilities to compete in the job market for good-paying jobs and business, we all, all of us as a society, must work hard to find ways for working around the barriers and better yet, for abolishing the barriers, which is why respecting the abilities of people with disabilities is so important, and which is also why our topic today, Jobs for Americans with Disabilities, is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi. Jennifer is the president of RespectAbilityUSA.org, a nonprofit organization working to reshape the attitudes of society so that people with disabilities can more fully participate and contribute to society. Respectability works to empower people with disabilities to achieve as much as their abilities and efforts permit. At a time when 70% of working age Americans with disabilities are outside the workforce, respectability is working to help people with disabilities get jobs, start and sustain their own businesses, lift themselves into the middle class and participate in their communities. Now, Jennifer has met with 16 state governors and five future presidential candidates on the challenges encountered by people with disabilities. She's published hundreds of articles on public policy issues, and she herself is dyslexic and, as a parent, she knows what it means to raise a child with multiple disabilities. So welcome to the show, Jennifer. Gordon, it's so delightful to be with you. You have such a great background and wonderful audience. This is a real honor. Thank you. First question for you, Jennifer. Please tell us more about your life and your experience of family caregiving. Jennifer? 
Well, I think it starts by looking at the mirror in the mirror at my own personal experience. I'm highly dyslexic, and back when I was a kid, uh, people didn't really know much about dyslexia. And so, you know, I on one hand, people perceived that I was smart, and on the other hand, people perceived that I was an idiot or that I was lazy. And so I experienced a tremendous amount of bullying and harassment over my disability. I couldn't read until I was 12. People really wondered if I had any future um, in terms of my employability, and it was really quite a challenge until I could find my groove. Now I find uh, that I've had the opportunity to figure out how to work around my different abilities and to find the things I'm good at, and I found that I did have some real skills and assets that enabled me to start my own business and to be successful. But as a parent, I now know what it's like to have a child with multiple disabilities and to worry, will my child be accepted and have my child's abilities um, really be um, recognized and valued in society so that my child can also be independent um, in terms of finances, but also have the great feeling that you get from having a job because, frankly, if you can do a job well, and develop friendships through that job and really be a part of society. It's really a wonderful sense of being that you're able to accomplish. So it's about a lot more than just money, although money's important. It's really about finding a place in society to be valued and appreciated. Jennifer, please tell us more about your organization, Respectability USA. Jennifer? <laughs> working very much to shape attitudes. It's so important because there are some laws that have to do with disabilities in America. So in 1990, they passed something called the Americans with Disabilities Act. And the goal of the law was to enable people with disabilities to be able to integrate and to achieve independence and to be able to achieve the um, American dream. But the problem is that 23 years later, there's been 0% improvement in terms of the percentage of Americans with disabilities who are in the workforce. So back when it was passed in 1990, uh, there was 70% of the Americans with disabilities who are outside of the workforce, and we've had zero improvement in 23 years. And a big part of it is because people pity people with disabilities, and they're not willing to open their hearts and minds to the real fact, which is that people with disabilities often have tremendous abilities, and they can be a very significant asset to a company, nonprofit organization, or any other employer. Now, I want you to tell us about your work with respectability and particularly how involved were you with the foundation of it and what are your chief roles as, so to speak, its leader? Jennifer? So, Respectability USA is a new nonprofit. In fact, people can find us on the web at respectabilityusa.org. Um, and we're really trying to be a resource to the field. There are a number of different groups that deal with disability issues, and we're trying to be a resource to help them with their communications efforts, with getting op-eds placed in newspapers, with meeting with governors and future presidential candidates. We've been working with the White House and with leaders in 
Congress. And I must say that in terms of my work, one of the great privileges that I've had until now is to work with Governor Jack Markell of Delaware, who, when he was chairman of the National Governors Association, made this really his top priority in terms of an initiative. And I've been able to meet one-on-one with 16 different governors and to challenge them to really change the attitudes and the practices in their states to an employment-first mentality. The concept that people with disabilities should be able to find what they're good at and that they should be matched with employers that need those skills. Some people with disabilities have extraordinary intellect, like Stephen Hawking, for example, who's unlocking the secrets of the universe. Like people who are on the autism spectrum, who are often highly gifted at physics or at IT or computers. Or like people who might have mental health um, issues that might make them overly compulsive, might make them fantastic auditors. People who have intellectual disabilities who might be fabulous at doing something like greeting people at a Walmart or helping at a Walgreens in terms of stocking supplies in distribution centers. Many corporations have now found that it's highly profitable to actually employ people with disabilities. I want you to tell us please about your work, your work, what you do with Respectability USA. Jennifer? Well, first of all, we're doing polling and focus groups to understand people's perceptions. And one thing that I have found is that when some people hear that somebody has a disability, they are trying to figure out, do they really have a disability or are they faking it? Um, the word fraud comes to mind often in America. And this is unfortunate because there are people who try and defraud the system. They're trying to get government benefits when they don't actually deserve them. And people don't understand that, yes, fraud is terrible, and anybody who's doing it, really, they should be absolutely convicted and prosecuted. But there are people with very significant disabilities that you can't see. One misnomer is they think, well, if somebody's blind or if they happen to use a wheelchair, that's a legitimate disability. But they don't understand that somebody who's highly dyslexic or someone with a significant mental health issue or a significant health issue or, um, you know, other different disabilities that are not visible to the eye, they still need to have some extra supports that will enable them to succeed. Some people call them accommodations. I like to to think of them as really performance enhancements because with very small changes in a work environment, you can get people with disabilities to be extraordinarily successful. And what you, I think I'm picking up from the last thing that you said, is what you're looking for in workplaces and so on are enablers, things that make it possible for persons with disabilities, whether they're visible or not, to be able to deliver the value that they have from their abilities. Have I got that right? Absolutely. And additionally, it's been proven in different uh, research that people with disabilities, um, they're so appreciative of the job opportunity that they generally don't shift workplaces. So let me give you a specific example. Walgreens is a very big uh, chain of stores that's a drug stores in America, very big, very well-respected company. They use um, people with disabilities in their distribution centers, and they found that they um, require very 
very little in extra supports, very, very little, but that once they are into their job and they know what they're doing, which doesn't take much longer or is not much more difficult than anyone else, that they don't leave. And therefore, um, they are able to save quite a lot of money because there's not job turnover and the need to, you know, spend all that money recruiting new talent, training new talent, and that they also have a higher safety record, which I think is a real shock. A lot of people thought, well, if you hire people with disabilities, it's going to lead to safety issues. But in fact, they found that their safety problems went down in the places where they worked, and indeed their morale of their employees without disabilities went up, which was a sort of surprising fact that they found out, that people without disabilities seem to really enjoy working in a more inclusive environment that includes people with different abilities. Would you go so far as to say that respect for the person with the disability brings respect from the person with disability for the employer? Would you go that far? And in fact, there's been polling in America that shows that people who are buying products and services from companies do appreciate knowing that the employer is an inclusive employer who welcomes people with different abilities into their workforce. So you see companies like all of a sudden there's a new beer ad from Guinness that shows this group of guys who are um, playing basketball, very aggressive basketball game, all using wheelchairs. And then at the end of the game, you see all but one of the guys gets up and stands, and only one of the guys typically uses a wheelchair. And it shows a value of inclusiveness and embracing the value of every human being that it has made Guinness have more success as a beer-selling company just by standing for inclusion in terms of its advertising. It's an incredible fact to see that it can help them make money even in their ads. Respectability is good business. Now, talking of business, we have to pay our rent, so it's time to take the break, so we'll do it now. This is Dr. Gordon Adley. My guest is Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi. Our topic is Jobs for Americans with Disabilities. Now let's, Jennifer, talk about the challenges encountered by people of all ages with disabilities in getting their abilities recognized so they can get jobs or get into business. So, Jennifer, first question, what are the most challenging of the challenges encountered by people of all ages with disabilities in getting their abilities recognized? Jennifer? still, Gordon, a lot of prejudice where somebody looks differently or acts differently. Sometimes people won't give them uh, the chance to prove themselves. There was a recent study of middle schoolers and they were tested to see how they felt about other children their age who have autism. And it found that within 30 seconds, within 30 seconds, these children are making judgments about the kids with autism and they're coming up with judgments like they're less trustworthy, Um, they don't want to be friends with them. You see, kids who are on the autism spectrum, people on the autism spectrum, often don't use a lot of eye contact. And so for people who don't have autism, they, you know, judge people and say, look, if they're not looking at you in the eye, maybe it's because they're hiding something and they're dishonest. But it's not that at all. It's just that part of their difference is that they don't like or not comfortable or not good at eye contact. However, people on the autism spectrum, when they have an interest in something, they have an ability to focus on it, they can be unbelievably successful at it. And in fact, it's, it's thought that Einstein may have been on the autism spectrum um, because of how he inter, uh, interrelated with people and because of how he had this real success at looking very deeply at the things that interested him. So it really can be a plus and a minus at the same time. Right. Now I'm going to ask you to be a little more specific in regard to the challenges, starting with challenges for people with physical conditions. Jennifer, what are the especially challenging challenges that people with physical conditions experience? Jennifer? Listen, I've got this incredible guy who works with me, incredibly talented. He happens to use a wheelchair. He's a superstar. 
but to get to work, he needs to take public transportation, and he's an incredibly reliable person. Unfortunately, the transportation system is not equally reliable. So sometimes when he takes the subway to get to work, he finds that the elevator from the subway isn't working to get him to ground level. And so then he has to go to a different station, go up in a different elevator, at which point they'll have a bus that'll take him to the office. So at some points, it can take him three hours round trip to get to the office, even though he lives fairly nearby. It's an incredibly frustrating thing because it means that his work day is incredibly, incredibly long because it takes us extra time just because the metro system isn't able to keep their elevators working. So that's one very specific example. And you would think that, you know, in today's age, in 2013 and going into 2014, that we wouldn't have these issues. But basic things like having the transportation system work are very, very important. Right. I'm going to ask you now, it's the same question, but to tell us about or give us some specific examples of challenges that are especially challenging for people with mental health conditions. You've already talked about autism. What about other mental health conditions? Jennifer? Some mental health conditions do take an understanding employer that will give you flex time or the ability to work at home um, or the ability to work on projects where they're, they, it's not the hours that you put in, it's the completion of the project. But you have to work it out with your employer in an individual case. Um, I can tell you, though, that um, there is a great stigma to people who have mental health issues. So, for example, if you have bipolar um, disorder or you have schizophrenia and you work for the government at the Pentagon, very hard to get a security clearance, for example. But that's not the biggest issue. It's really one of prejudice. One thing that can be very helpful for such employees is for them to be honest with their employers and to really make it a win-win partnership for success. Right. Why do you think there is this deep prejudice regarding people with mental illnesses? Um, I've often heard on this show that, and I'm not being negative about cancer patients, but the example has been made, cancer patients are seen as heroes very often, but people with mental illnesses, that's not the case. Why do you think that is? I think that sometimes it's easier to understand something that you can see. With cancer, you can literally take a piece of the cancer and put it on a slide under a microscope and you can see it. When somebody is blind, somebody who's not blind can see that they're blind. When somebody uses a wheelchair, it's the same situation. It's very hard for people to understand things they cannot see. Um, So it's not just mental health issues. Clearly, for some kinds of autism, it's an issue for um, dyslexia, for ADHD, um, and other things. It it, it really is the non-visible that can scare people, and they don't know, is this a legitimate disability or is this person faking it? Or they just need to really suck it up more and just make it work. And they don't understand that just some small, um, you know, solutions can make a big difference. By the way, for people with mental health, I was just at a presentation, and it showed that for the vast majority of people with mental health issues, if they use a combination of therapy, 
and medication to the level that it's appropriate for whatever their mental health issue is, that over 90% of them are able to really succeed in the workplace. That doesn't mean that 100% of them are going to succeed, but 90%, it's a really good number. So for the employer, you need to be sure that they know that they can take the time when they need to to see a therapist if they need to, and that it's okay to disclose if you're taking medication to help with your mental health issues. I just want to continue with this question because it gives a lot of us um, so much difficulty and the answers you're giving, Jennifer, are really very helpful. Um, as you know, there is um, a, a kind of mixture of job and treatment available whereby people with very serious mental health conditions um, are brought into an environment uh, it might be a farm, for example, um, where they themselves help to look after the animals, and I'm talking about the persons with disabilities, and they work, um, work as a team, and they work as workers in the sense of caregivers for the animals. And that appears to be a very successful, or a successful anyway, approach to creating something you've talked about, and that is the sense of value that people with these severe challenges, severe disabilities, can actually contribute in a community setting that understands their needs. What do you say? What do you think about that? Gordon, you're absolutely right. This is an incredible um, success when people are able to do this. There's a documentary that I love on doing this with children called Green Chimneys, uh, but there's a lot of different uh, places that are using this. What they're doing is they're enabling somebody who people have pitied and looked down on to instead of being an object of pity um, and, and, and considered a loser, to be in a position where they're in power and able to impact the life of another being. So the life might be um, a bird that broke their wing. It might be a cat that is in need. It might be a dog that's sick. But they're in the position where they have the power to improve a life. And that seems to really enable somebody who is experiencing real dis emotional distress in particular, the ability to find their self-worth and really stabilize and be able to be successful in many other realms. And finding the self-worth, that is finding the value, and having that value recognized um, enables people with the disabilities to provide caring, and in their providing of caring, they themselves are becoming calmer, they are becoming happier, they are becoming more satisfied, and therefore their sense of their own worth is increasing. Uh, now, we're talking about people with, you know, so the serious mental illnesses, um, I'm talking, I'm thinking here of schizophrenia that belongs to the um, end of the spectrum, which makes it more severe than most. But it, that principle, it seems to me, also implies to, uh, applies to the work that you've been describing. That is, people who become loyal, and even if 
the metro isn't able to provide an elevator, they're going to get to work, even if, as you've been saying, even if it takes them three and a half hours. So that's that sense of commitment, which in a way is a sense of caring, isn't it? Absolutely. But, Gordon, there's been a big transition over time. It used to be that when somebody had a disability, when they were a child, basically somebody like the doctors or people at the school would go to the parents and say, look, this child is a disability. They're never going to achieve anything. Send them away to an institution. So these kids who actually had parents were sent to orphanages. They were sent to institutions. They were segregated. They were not properly educated. And this was a complete catastrophe, a real end of life for these kids with their opportunities. Today, kids are kept home by and large with their families. And what happens is that they're included in public schools where they can go to school with appropriate supports. And therefore, when they complete school, they're much better prepared to be integrated into the economy and into jobs where they can be valued. We see also another massive change is the use of technology. So it used to be that if you were blind, your only option to read was Braille. But today, Apple computers have different apps where you can literally, if you're blind, just put your finger over the words and you have an earphone in your ear and you can hear the words and it reads to you and you understand it perfectly. I know people who are blind who are close friends of mine and they read much more quickly than I do. They type much more quickly than I do. Um, Additionally, there are mechanisms through software for people who are deaf that just type when people are in a meeting. Um, it will type what is happening in the meeting so that the person who's deaf can just read it on the text through CART technology. Um, also, for people who can't speak, they can type in, and then the computers will speak for them. So the assisted technology that exists today enables people to work and function and succeed in a way that previously was only just imagined. That's a strong message of hope and encouragement. Now, it's time again for the break, so we'll take it now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Would you like to do more with less stress? You'll learn how to do just that and so much more by tuning in to Quantum Principles That Supercharge Your Life with Dr. Luann Tung. Each week, Dr. Luann and her guests will discuss tips and techniques designed to reduce stress in your life. By doing so, you'll actually heal your body and relationships with yourself and those around you. Each episode will also include healthy, simple food recipes and fun practical meditation tips. Be sure to listen live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. 
Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi, our Topic is jobs for Americans with disabilities. Jennifer, now let's talk about overcoming the challenges encountered by people of all ages with all types of disabilities so that they can get jobs and get business. Now, you've already been talking about the role of technology, and I'd like you to go on talking about that, but also how, what other ways are there that these uh, challenges are overcome? So, my first question then is, how do we overcome the challenges encountered by people of all ages in getting their abilities recognized? Well, Gordon, it's an excellent question, and there are really a lot of strategies. Let me give you a couple of them. One is to change the images that people see on entertainment, television, and in the news media. 18.6% of America, that's 56 million Americans have disabilities. Again, almost, almost 20%. And yet only 1% of the characters on scripted television have a disability. Only 1%. And so there's you know, 20 times as many people in the population with disabilities as what we're seeing on TV. So it's very important that television start to reflect the actual demographics that exist in our country. One of those shows that's being particularly helpful is the Michael J. Fox show. Michael J. Fox is an American actor who is very, very popular, and in this new NBC sitcom, he is playing a TV reporter, and they're showing him a guy with Parkinson's as a guy who's able to succeed in his job. Another show on NBC called Ironside shows a detective who uses a wheelchair due to um, something that happened to him. It was a disability acquired later in life. He is also shown as a very competent professional. So showing that onto entertainment is very, very important. There's a TV show called Project Runway, which isn't scripted television. It's a reality show. And one of their finalists this season is somebody who happens to be deaf. 
And every time that Jason is up there on the show, they have a sign language interpreter. And you know what? Jason is an incredibly um, talented designer, and you're able to see that he's able to function in the workplace. So one is to put it better on television so people can see success and then be attitudinally more prepared for it. Secondly, we can help transition people from school into work through providing internships and training opportunities that will enable people with disabilities to start succeeding from the get-go when they first come out of high school or if they come out of college, to go straight into work opportunities where they can have a little bit of extra support. Maybe they need a job coach who can help them. Let me give you an example. People on the autism spectrum, and I mentioned this earlier, they have different social skills and they have different eye contact. Sometimes they find when they go into a job that people look at them and say, hey, he's not giving me eye contact. Maybe, you know, he's not listening to what I'm saying. Maybe he's not trustworthy. To help the people in the job environment understand that, the, that his way or her way of being social is a little bit different, but don't value the person or respect the person based on that. Look at their work. And then you see that people on the autism spectrum are frequently incredibly talented at things like computer science, um, you know, science and technology issues. So those sorts of things can be very, very important. Job coaches, um, transitions from high school or college into the workplace, and changing perceptions overall, which can largely be done through the media. Right. Now, I want to drill down a little bit more into the two classes of um, disabilities and starting off with physical conditions. Now, some physical conditions are like the need to have a wheelchair, for example, are immediately apparent to the eye of people around. Others are not so evident, and yet they're very physical. And I'm talking about perhaps people who are sitting in a chair who have, um, you know, one of the diseases that causes paralysis or something right. of that nature. So it doesn't show up until they try to get up or until they move and this kind of thing. So those kinds of situations, how do we overcome those challenges because they're still people with considerable abilities. It's just that their physical conditions may stop them getting to work or may stop them using particular types of equipment. How do we overcome those? So, Gordon, I think, again, that perception is very important here. So I'll give you an example. I am what I consider TAB, temporarily able-bodied. At any point, things could change, and I could not be quote-unquote, able-bodied. So when I was in college and I was a basketball player in college, I actually wound up getting hit by a car, and it was a very serious car accident, and I wound up needing a whole series of operations and reconstruction on one of my legs. And I was in a wheelchair for most of my senior year of college. So I went from one day being a college athlete and able to, you know, do everything physically to the next day being a, in physical pain, and B, in a wheelchair. And what did I find all of a sudden? I found, Gordon, that people spoke with me 
more loudly as if I was deaf and more slowly as if I had an intellectual disability. So they treated me differently in ways that had nothing to do with the fact that I happened at that particular moment to use a wheelchair. They just saw that I used a wheelchair and they sort of automatically assumed, well, I better speak slowly and loudly to this person because they have a disability and maybe, you know, maybe they don't understand me or they don't hear me. And they didn't have the same kind of high expectations for me as they had before when I was standing on two feet. So there's all kinds of challenges in terms of how people expect, you know, you to do your best. And I think that this is a, a terrible prejudice to have against somebody that you're expecting them not to be successful because ultimately then they might look into the mirror and not see that they can achieve all that they can achieve. I mean, look at Stephen Hawking. He is one of the greatest scientists alive on the planet, and he has very few physical capabilities, but his mind is extraordinary. And this is what we need to focus on, is what are the capabilities, what are the abilities of the people, regardless of the physical situation. Now, I'm going to ask you about overcoming challenges in a particular way encountered by people, persons, young people of all ages with mental health conditions. And it's this. You were talking about technology, computer technology, and it's amazing what it can do. Um, But I've also done an episode on this show, Jennifer, where the mother of um, an autist, or the family anyway, of autistic, with autistic children in it, uh, realized that children with autism were brilliant with computers, just as you said. But they also recognized that sometimes these children have some difficulty understanding uh, what people, other people, might have in the way of in, uh, intentions for them. In other words, if they're using the Internet, they might be at risk of some kind of abuse or, or the rest of it. And so what, they, what the family did was to set up a kind of a technology system that enabled the parent just to keep a watchful eye to make sure that there wasn't any risk of harm coming to the children who were using the computer system. And it, as, I, as I understand it, it has become very, very successful. Now, it's that kind of sense of um, we must be aware of where individuals with limitations do need protection, particularly in the mental health arena. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, there's no doubt because the statistics are quite clear that people with disabilities are much more frequently victims of abuse than people without disabilities. Um, And this is an extraordinary uh, problem. Um, You know, I myself, when I was 12, was the victim of of an extreme, very extreme uh, thing of abuse that happened to me at my school. Um, And it was an extraordinarily terrifying thing that happened. And it's unfortunately quite common for people with disabilities to go um, through such things. But I think one way that you can, to some extent, avoid the abuse is by ensuring something called positive behavioral supports. In other words, a lot of times people who have disabilities, one of their biggest challenges is following 
complex sequenced instructions. So let's say little Johnny is in school, and the instruction to little Johnny is we're going to be finishing up our art projects now, and we're going to be getting ready to move to science class. So I want you to clean up your art, put away your supplies, pack up your backpack, and go to the other classroom. Well, then little Johnny doesn't do it. And they think, well, little Johnny, he has bad behavior, and I need to punish Johnny because he has bad behavior. He's not complying. And then more abuse starts to heap on poor little Johnny, who then starts to perceive that he's a bad kid and doesn't deserve to be treated appropriately. But then we can discover that perhaps the issue with little Johnny is that he can only because he has an intellectual um, disability or because he has executive function uh, skill challenges, maybe little Johnny can only handle one instruction at a time. So maybe you need to say to Johnny, Johnny, please pack up your art supplies. And then you need to wait for Johnny to say, okay, I'll pack up my art supplies. And then Johnny packs up his art supplies. And then afterwards say to Johnny, Johnny, we're going to pack up the rest of our stuff and walk down the hall. And then he goes and does it, and then you give the third instruction. And then just the simple act of breaking up the instructions enables Johnny to succeed in every one of those tasks. And then Johnny gets higher self-esteem, and Johnny isn't going to take, you know, being abused because Johnny knows that he is a person of value and that he can get things done. And this is something that is very simple to do, to break down instructions, but it's often not done. And this is one of the things that Walgreens, as an employer, is particularly successful at. With employees with disabilities, if they have complex things, they simply will put up a sign that's laminated with pictures that says, first you do this, and there's a picture that shows it. And then it says, Number two, you do this, and there's a picture that shows it. And people are able to follow it and be incredibly successful. And what's the cost to the employer? Almost nothing. All they had to do was put up a sign. Right. Powerful, powerful message, all of those things, Jennifer. Now, again, once more, it's the tyranny of time. We're going to have to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Tune in every week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further with host Desiree Watson. Our program empowers you to incorporate a wellness lifestyle into your life, supported by a diverse selection of guests, including physicians, athletes, and education and government professionals, while helping you realize the connection between mind, body, and spirit. You'll achieve a personal edge in injury avoidance, stress management, and personal development. The Wellness Lounge, a step further, airs Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. 
Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi. Our topic is Jobs for Americans with Disabilities. Jennifer, I want to ask you now about the things that you would like to do and that you would like to see done to help people of all ages with disabilities in getting their abilities recognized. So, first question to you is, what more would you like to do through your work with Respectability USA? Jennifer? Well, Gordon, there's so much to be accomplished. First and foremost, we need to change the attitudes, because when you change the attitudes and enable people to respect people with disabilities for the abilities that they have, then they're willing to do whatever kinds of assist they need to do on the work site to make things successful. So, for example, CNBC, a major television cable network that focuses on business, had a special segment on it with the CEO of Walgreens, this company that is so good at employing people with disabilities, and he got on and talked about the fact that he has been able to make more money as a publicly traded company because he hires these talented people with disabilities who do have abilities that enable him to have a more profitable bottom line. So, Number one, Gordon, we need for employers to understand that a part of the financial success of their companies can be and should be people with disabilities. Number two, when we see things in the entertainment media, we need to see that people with disabilities can be extraordinary success like on Michael J. Fox show, like on Ironside, and that it doesn't have to be like one of the munchkins on The Wizard of Oz or like Quasimodo or, you know, one of these other um, people with disabilities who has made either um, scary or an object of pity. We need to see them for the abilities and the differences and the successes that they can bring. So those are two of the most important things. But a third thing I'd have to say is to get the politicians to really reorient their thinking to change it to what we call employment-first thinking, that when a child is beginning school, that even if they have a disability or perhaps especially because they have a disability, they're talents need to be nurtured, and they need to be told that they can find what their skills are and where they can make a difference so that they can go out and be independent on their own. Look, maybe they have an intellectual disability and that they're going to be working making um, cupcakes in a bakery, or maybe they will be stocking shelves. 
you know what? They might absolutely love doing that. And by doing it, they'll be able to support themselves financially, perhaps afford to get married, have kids, um, live independently, et cetera, et cetera. These are the sorts of societal changes that we need to be making. Right. Now, you mentioned politicians. So that leads me to my next question for you, which is what more would you like to see done by government systems? In other words, all the things that government does and all the things that government influences, what would you like to see done by them? So let me give you an example, just one example, that would have an extraordinary transformative power if it was to be implemented. There's our programs today, one of them is called Project Search. There are others that are very successful. In America, a child can stay in school until they're 21 years old. So you have until you're 21 to finish your high school diploma or to get a certificate of completion. Let's say somebody is 19 years old and they have an intellectual disability. Maybe they have Down syndrome or they have Fragile X or they're part of the autistic, um, their autism spectrum that they don't have a very high IQ, right? But they're very hardworking and they're a very good person and they find that at age 19 that they're able to count from one to nine and that they're able to read at a fifth grade level. Well, you know what? Legally, they can stay in school for two more years. But here's something very exciting that's being done with 2,500 young adults each year. What they're doing is they're saying, you know what? For the extra two years of school, maybe they could get to the sixth grade reading level. Maybe they could count even to 15. But how much use is that really to that individual? Instead, what they do is they find an employer for them. What they do is they take up to 10 of these young adults at a time, and they they put them in a work site, maybe a public hospital, maybe another place, and, and they try and match them in internships where their interests and their abilities align. They might be working in a cafeteria, cooking and serving food and cleaning up the dishes. They might be working doing data entry. They might be um, planting the flowers in the garden bed. Um, there are a number of different jobs that they can do, and over the course of the year, they have three different jobs, and they work for the entire school year, and there's somebody from the school system with them as a job coach to help some, them succeed. And you know what? For those kids, we find that when they complete that program, they are job ready. They can make a difference. They've done something well, and they're ready to go out and get a job and be independent, so they don't have to spend the rest of their lives on government benefits, sitting in isolation at home on a couch, or working in a sheltered workshop, they can be in an integrated work environment. It's highly successful. It's a relatively new program, and still only 2,500 young people a year are able to access it. If this was multiplied and used in much more broadly, we'd see a lot more employment participation across this country. Again, that's another message of hope. Jennifer, last question for you. What's your message for family caregivers caring for family members with challenges where the family member experiences challenges in getting their abilities recognized and respected? What's your message, Jennifer? Don't give up and just be pushy, pushy, pushy. And it's hard. Look, as a parent and as a person with a disability, I know what it's like to be called an idiot. I know what it's like to have somebody say, that's impossible. 
But then I know what it's like to overcome those impossibilities and to prove what you can do. So the most important thing is not to take no for an answer and not to see, you know, darkness at the end of the tunnel. You have to find the light. You have to find the strengths. You have to find what are your interests, what are your child's interests, and what can you do to strengthen those um, interests in such a way that the person can find something that will bring them joy, meaning, and success in their life. Once more, that's a message of hope. And I just want to pick up on something that you've said, and I want you to re-emphasize it. And it's a phrase that I think comes out like this, overcoming the impossible, where the impossible is what it was in the past or perceived what it was in the past. Well, this is a condition that you can't cure, will never be overcome. In other words, this individual won't achieve anything. That's the impossible part. Your message if I'm right, is that those impossibles can be overcome. First of all, have I got it right? And secondly, if I have, please could you re-emphasize it? Absolutely, Gordon. I mean, you look at Stevie Wonder, who's blind, but his music has tremendous vision. You look at Stephen Hawking, who, you know, has tremendous physical disabilities, and yet he's unlocking the secrets of the universe. You look at a young person with Down syndrome who's a greeter at Walmart or working stocking shelves in a distribution center at Walgreens, and you see in all of those instances tremendous success. Tremendous success. So the important thing is not to look at the negative, the disability. It's to find the one or more abilities that will give that individual joy, a sense of meaning, and the ability to really be a part of a team, make a positive difference, and hopefully be able to achieve independence. And to be valued and to be valued as an equal human being on the planet. This is one of the great disgraces of our times, that way back when our nation was founded, it was founded on the principle that all men were created equal. But we know that back when they were saying all men are created equal, that African Americans were not considered equal, that women were not considered equal. We've made tremendous strides on those fronts. Not enough strides, still distance to go. But for people with different abilities, we need to see that all of us are equal in the eyes of God and man because all of us have the same spark of potential. We just sometimes need to work a little harder to find it. And all of which leads me to say on behalf of everybody who's listening, not just thank you, but all strength to you and to your colleagues um, for all that you're doing and for all that you understand and for all that you see as missions and objectives in the way that you've just so brilliantly described them. So thank you. All Gordon, success thank to you. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor to be with you today. That's lovely. Now, I also want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. On our next episode, we will be talking about, well, spouses as family caregivers. Please join us same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.